0: Hi, I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes. Today, the future for houses. We speak with two of Australia's foremost experts, National Australia Bank Chief Economist Alan Oster and SQM researchers Louis Christopher, about why prices will get a lot worse before they get better. Well, strap yourself in because it is going to be a rough ride today, but mind you, there is still hope out there. Hang on to your job, keep your eye out for some cheap assets, and it could set you up for the future. But in the meantime, for a lot of people, it's going to get pretty rocky. One important thing for a lot of those people, trying to hang on to their house.
1: This house is not for sale. I stone and I
0: Explaining to you today, there's been a raft of economic information out, plus a Reserve Bank interest rate decision, predictably on hold. Uh, but by the same token, the upgrading in some ways of uh, the Reserve Bank today, suggesting that unemployment will remain around about that level of ten uh, percent, it thinks before it will ease next year to around seven. But the second part about that is. Output will fall by 6% in 2020 and then will grow by 5% in the following year. Retail sales figures out there as well. Uh, there's numbers from APRA about the uh, loan uh, repayment deferrals. Uh, I think one of the very pers- best people we're going to go and have a chat to about this, the Chief Economist of the National Australia Bank, Alan Oster, who I do note today says, in terms of the sharpness in the decline of activity, this makes the recessions in the 80s and 90s look like child play. Uh, He joins me now. Alan, always great to have a chat with you. Uh, Just explain to people as to why you believe uh, this could make the recessions of the 80s and 90s look like child play.
1: Um, Well, it's nice to meet you, Earl, to talk again, Ross. Um, Look, the reason why is we've seen such a big fall uh, in terms of activity. So RBA is talking about a 6% fall during the course of this year. We're talking mid-5, so they're roughly the same sort of thing. The recessions that we've had in the past have tended to take a lot, lot longer to get going. Um, and typically, you know, you, you're talking about maybe one to two, maybe maximum 3% falls in GDP. And so therefore, uh, what we've already got is just so much steeper. The unemployment's not finished. Now, the 1990s recession got to around about 11% unemployment. Um, and, uh, you know we we hopefully won't get there. We'll get, I think, nine and a half, maybe 10. Um, but, you know, in the 1990s, we didn't have, you know, 31% of the workforce being paid government subsidies to essentially keep their jobs. So um, it's a very, very different environment that we're currently in.
0: Just one aspect of this, I mean, the the, the recession this time, unlike the... Uh, the 1990s recession, which yeah. took some four years after the stock market crash to happen. Government intervened, hmm. uh, you had a housing boom in the, uh, in the, inter, uh, in the, in the years in between, um, and then all of a sudden interest rates went to 17%, which prompted the recession. This, of course, is yeah. a, a shock as a result of a health crisis, uh, but it yeah. seems to me in some ways that if there is still unemployment to come, Um, then what is going to flow from that? Businesses collapsing potentially in Victoria, um, unemployment rising as a result, people struggling to pay mortgages. Uh, That is, if you like, the symptoms of the recession that is still to play out in Australia. Most people to this stage have been able to manage largely as a result of the government subsidies.
1: Yeah, and one of the stories that's really important, if you're going to be counted as unemployed in the official numbers, two things you need to have. Number one, you have to have lost your job. And number two, you have to be actively looking for a job. Now, um, everyone knows about number one. Number two, though, a lot of people are not actively looking for a job because they're in industries that have been closed down. Um, So they don't get captured in the unemployment numbers, but they will once the economy starts to get up and run again. Um, There's been some estimates out there by the Bureau of Stats who say that if you're being paid the dole, um, and you were counted in the unemployment, um, the official number would be about eleven three. Um So, uh, and we look at our own d- data, and we look at the number of customers NAB have who are being paid the dole, and in an underlying sense, we think that's somewhere around about 9-8 at present. So just the fact that as you open up, more people will essentially... Um, start looking for a job, because I have to, because I now have to have mutual obligations for the government, um, that just guarantees the unemployments going
0: up. It's the other part about this that really does, you know, worry me and concern me as to where Australia is going to in the future, and that is with Victoria now going to these stage four lockdowns, yeah. and inevitably at some stage the government has really got to, well, run out of ability to support the economy in the way in which it has to this point, I mean, it doesn't want to really have uh, the economy on life support, as it were, um, for a prolonged period of time. There are there are times when it's going to have to um, allow companies to go broke, uh, to to stop really subsidising the wages of such a large number of people. Otherwise, future taxpayers are really going to carry that burden. How do they, without really having a sharp jolt to the economy, how do they really get out of this... Um, situation they have where they are subsidising so many people?
1: Well, the short answer is they can't get out of it. Um, The one good thing about Australia, relative to everybody else, is that we've spent about the same proportion of GDP as the rest of the world, and we are starting from a really low base. So we might end up with debt-to-GDP ratios on the current sort of policies they've already announced. Let's say 30% of of GDP um America and Europe is already at 100 so we can afford to keep supplying and supporting the economy and that's what they have to do uh, you know eventually you're going to have to let uh, sort of things stand on their own uh, and i think one of the problems will be that the unemployment numbers will be probably peaking in march because a lot of firms what we call zombie firms that are sort of still hanging in there with all this government support Or hang on essentially to Christmas and then they just won't reopen and that's one of the problems you've also got with Victoria because you know there will be a number of firms who were hang on for grim death and now you shut them down again and I'm not sure that they're going to reopen and just to put a context in it we're still going to finalise our data but roughly based on what we're seeing offshore and you know we look at the Victorian numbers I would expect the Victorian GDP in the September quarter to fall 15 percent. Wow. At least, 10, yeah, at least ten to fifteen percent. I mean, these are so big numbers. You, I mean,
0: even if it would have fall by one or two percent, normally people would be yeah. concerned and worried. So, talking ten yeah. and fifteen percent is generational. This is you know going yeah. back to the nineteen thirties type of stuff.
1: That that's exactly what you're doing. And you know, you look in the US, they uh, they fell by about nine and a half percent, which people thought, "Oh, that's good," uh, as in it could have been worse. Uh, Europe fell by over twelve percent. New Zealand looks like it's going to fall 15 and more. So we're going to fall in Victoria somewhere between 10 and 15, which would take uh, about 3% off GDP nationwide um, in the September quarter. And we were expecting that after a really bad um, June quarter, we get four. So, you know, we're not going to get much of a a kickback uh, and that just means that, you know, the economy struggles along a bit. And whilst I agree with the Reserve Bank that, you know they'll probably lose 5 to 6% in terms of uh, GDP during the course of the year. They've got about a 4 to 5% increase next year, and I don't think we're going to get that. So I'm more worried about unemployment staying high and higher than the Reserve Bank and that we won't get a bigger kick uh, next year. Because one thing, if you're sort of worried about where you're at, you're not going to invest anything. You're not going to employ people. And so that's just going to make it really difficult. So one of the things that, is true about this recession that's similar to the previous recession, it normally takes three or four years to get unemployment back to where you started from. And that, I think, is going to be a big worry.
0: A few things that I've spotted, uh, Christopher Kent, I think it was, from the Reserve Bank last week, saying uh, that one in uh, 10 businesses uh, effectively right now believes that they would not survive uh, unless yeah. there was, uh, b- b- unless there was subsidy from government, from a bank, uh, or from a landlord. Now that's got to be one issue. And APRA today coming out and saying that effectively uh, 11% of all loans uh, and even more when it comes to business loans or more than 12% of loan facilities are the subject of loan deferment, uh, deferment right now, repayment deferrals. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, you've also got, say, for example, the Reserve Bank again saying that banks are awash with, with cash right now. Now, that shows how yeah. defensive that business is. It shows how defensive that investors are right now, that they're prepared to accept yeah. nothing in the bank rather than actually put their, uh, put their money to to try and get some gains out of them.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. And I mean, we looked at business investment and normally in this sort of environment, you'd expect business investment to fall a lot and therefore demand for business credit would fall. But in the March quarter, what tended to happen was huge chunks of people, as you were saying, uh, in business came and essentially uh, got extra money out of the banks. And now what's happening is they're actually paying us back and there's no demand out there for investment. So, you know, again, huge numbers, but I reckon that business investment overall probably fall 30 to 35% over the course of the next 12 months. So that makes it very difficult in terms of the economy. So, you know, where you started from, this is unique. This really is unique. And, you know, you've seen... uh, The other statistic I think people probably don't know about is that all-time record number of jobs lost in any one month, which goes back to the 1990s, was 74,000. We lost in two months around about 900,000 people from employment. Now, you know, you're not going to spend as much as you would have if you think essentially you haven't got a job or you're on JobKeeper. So all those things make life very difficult.
0: And considering also from the government's point of view, half of all tax collections come from PAYE taxpayers. That's so if right. you lose 900,000 out of, say, 12 million uh, employed people, well, that's a big chunk out of the government as well. One final thing for you. Are you at all yep. concerned that asset price, and I'm here thinking here uh, in particular share prices, but also house prices as well as well, are not falling as dramatically as you might expect given recessionary times given the outlook for employment and even for business solvency.
1: Well, I find it very difficult to forecast the equity market and yeah, I think a lot of does.
0: <laughs> I think a lot
1: of it's following out of uh, essentially the tech areas in the US and the falls into here. When you look at house prices, I think house prices our expectations is 10 to 15% down and the main reason is the two big drivers, number one, population. So I don't think that you're basically going to um, open up international migration, et cetera, at least for 12 lines. So that means population halves. Um, so I think the lowest growth rate is about 0.7, and that's the lowest since about 1917. And the second thing is unemployment. Normally, when unemployment goes above 8%, you're in deep trouble. And so all those things say gravity is going to pull the uh, house price market down, but it'll be different. So for example, if you're in Sydney, people might decide they really now like to live in the Blue Mountains. If you're in Melbourne, they might think Ballarat and Bendigo is good. And so therefore you're going to get a different effect. But the one area that I think I'm very concerned about is commercial property prices, because for me, uh, you know, I think Zoom is sort of permanent. Um, in terms of people working from home, maybe not as much as what they are now, but when you look at it, you know, the CBDs of Sydney, Melbourne, um, uh, essentially, well, Melbourne in particular is closed down, but the vacancies in, in some of the, uh, areas, I think there's already massive oversupply. And, you know, we put a survey out the other day and we had indexes that went from plus 19 down to about minus 80, uh, which we've never seen before. So I, I think there are some, um, asset prices out there that are going to have serious adjustments as BankUp. I'll
0: tell you what, it's pretty sobering stuff and it clearly has a knock-on effect right throughout the economy and for government and even for the banking sector as well. Uh, It's always great to get your insight, Alan. Sobering times, though, these might be, as I say, uh, but uh, we'll speak again very shortly. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) i one of the people I will always turn to when it comes to the housing market to try and get a real take on. Where it is right now, where it's going to, is Louis Christopher, who's the principal of SQM Research. Now, just in the last couple of days, he's put out a report talking about the total property listings uh, around the country in July, which have increased. Uh, And of course, what we've seen is, again, uh, from CoreLogic, uh, falls in prices generally across the board over the last month or so. But Louis Christopher joins me now. Louis, many thanks for your time, as always. I mean... Pretty tough times, especially in Victoria right now. Uh, At what point do you imagine, if any, that this starts to play out in our housing markets around the country?
2: Uh, Good to be with you, Ross. Look, I think it's already playing out. We're already recording dwelling price falls. there have seen a number of data providers, including ourselves, recording price falls now in Sydney and Melbourne, less so outside those capital cities. a little bit in Brisbane, the epicenter of this downturn appears to be Sydney and Melbourne, and out of those two, I would suggest Melbourne's recording that the largest falls or the greatest weakness right now. We notice through the the falls in actual prices, the falls in asking prices, the lower auction clearance rates. And as per the release we put out this week, total property listing increases by which Melbourne's actually recorded a 20% increase in total listings year on year. So, that's quite a significant increase in supply.
0: So just take me through what's happening on the ground here. And obviously, each state, each capital city might be quite different depending on the uh, prospects for employment, but also on where it sits with coronavirus right now. Uh, But I would presume that the normal set of circumstances is if people presume that prices are falling... Uh, and they may want to be sellers that they'll hang on for as long as they possibly can before either a they're fearful of further price falls or indeed they reach a position where they simply have to sell that property. Is that that's one of the reasons why sometimes we hear as prices might get a bit soft that there's no stock on the market.
2: Yes, that's correct. So normally in a in a downturn you you see vendors who do not need to sell withdraw their properties and. Up until now, we largely have actually seen that sales volumes have come off before the month of July listings were so-so were that, so, yeah, there's definitely been a noticeable increase this month. So it's fair to say that so far the downturn has, though, been orderly. There hasn't been a lot of forced sales activity. And we believe that the moratorium provided by the banking sector on borrowers who cannot meet their monthly mortgage repayments have contributed to uh, very minimal forced sales activity. The question is, of course, going forward is whether we'll continue to see a moratorium placed on, on borrowers who cannot meet their mortgage repayments or will the banks have to start calling in loans, which would then create more forced sales in the housing market.
0: So the other part about this is the shutdowns to prevent the spread of the coronavirus in Melbourne. You know, we know that the jobs market rebound, as hoped for, is not necessarily going to take place. So you've then got the next part of that, and that is that if you've got almost a million Australians without paid work, then relying many of those people on the federal government for for the money to keep themselves going there is a point at which if we suddenly see even more firms closing down, potentially even more firms becoming insolvent, that the trickle-down effect into the employees does start to occur if they can't pay mortgages. It's either the banks have to somehow be forgiving, but there is even a point at which the banks can't really be as forgiving to those people as maybe we would all like to imagine they could be.
2: Well, spot on, Ross, and I think it's worthwhile for your audience to take a good look at this current reporting season by the banking sector. In particular, what are they actually providing for provisions for doubtful debts? And I know you've been around for a long time, but you may recall back in early 1990, how we knew we were all having a problematic recession when the banking sector started to record huge provisions for bad and doubtful debts, smashing their profitability. Uh, I suspect we're going to see the same thing this time around with this reporting season. They'll have to account for this properly. Now, how the banks respond to this will be very interesting. They obviously have an obligation to do or act in the best interest of their shareholders. So I think they'll have to write off a lot of loans. They'll also have to start calling in some loans where they are fully aware there's no chance of seeing the borrower repay back that mortgage or get back to normal servicing. I also think that we can expect from the banking sector a major rights issue at some time down the track. And then I also suspect what is going on right now is the banks are probably restricting new lending some ways. So they're, they're probably lowered the loan to value ratios for, uh, new borrowers in some respects. Uh, we know that there's been a big fall in housing finance approvals, which was reported last month. Uh, so well, sooner or later, the, the the ledger has to be squared off with the banking sector, Ross, and and. Yes, there are negative ramifications for the housing market when it does.
0: So that being the case, the number of total property listings, which has increased in July, and you noticed the year-on-year 20% increase in Victoria, Melbourne, Um, so that is likely to only be exacerbated uh, if this situation does continue, if the banks, as you suggest, uh, are going to have to roll out this action to try and preserve capital and make certain they uh, look after, again, the interests of their shareholders.
2: I would think so, yes. And, and and going back to your point about the fact that like, it's very likely now we're going to see many small and medium sized businesses in and around Victoria uh, not make it through. Let's just keep in mind that many of those small and medium sized business owners are property owners as well. Um, and uh, they may well respond by selling the home, even if the bank doesn't necessarily immediately force them to, but they may well respond to trying hasn't capital to restart again by, by selling their home. Uh, so I, I, I am anticipating we're going to see uh, further increases in, in listings as the year progresses.
0: And what other part about this? If prices become soft, is it more in the housing sector, uh, the actual physical houses, or is it in the apartments? Or is it really uh, at the end of it all, if there is a lot of stock hitting the market, it's not going to make much difference. They're all going to fall in price.
2: Well, no, I'm not seeing it at this point in time any major uh, differentiation between unit prices and house prices. The only differences were well, or areas or parts of the market where I'm seeing are holding up are the regional locations and rural locations. They seem to be holding up rather well. Uh, and indeed, we're recording falls in rental vacancy rates for much of regional Australia. Uh, so that's one part of the market. And then uh, the very top end of the market... Uh, in Sydney, uh, I'm not really seeing a lot of weakness there. We're still seeing some reasonable sales come through. So the very top end so far is holding. Uh, I don't know whether it's going to hold for much longer because historically, whenever we've had a, a recession, that's affected the median sized business market, which generally buys these type of properties. So, uh, but for now, the, the very top end of the market is holding in Sydney.
0: I'll tell you what, it's always great to have a chat to you and get your perspective on the markets and where they are. It clearly could potentially be tougher times ahead for the, the housing markets across different states. But as you point out, Sydney and Melbourne seem to be right now bearing the brunt of it. And Louis Christopher from SQM Research, as always, it's great to have a chat with you.
2: Nice to be with you, Ross.
0: Again, and it's pretty tough, this. It's a pretty worrying outlook for Australia and indeed the world right now. But it is worth thinking about that 90% of people do survive these economic downturns in reasonably good shape. And to be honest, if they're smart with their cash, they will buy cheap assets and build their fortunes out into the next generation. So the big question for you as you leave the podcast today is, are you recession ready? that's it for today's episode you can contact me via Twitter Facebook or LinkedIn or leave a comment on the iTunes Google or Spotify podcast apps I'm Ross Greenwood is and the money. Goes.